Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, of course, Eric, aka Silior, and today we're going to be talking about one of the Daedric Princes that, um, well, can be a little bloodthirsty, to say the least, but before we get to that, we do have a couple of bits of news here, so if you've been living under a rock, then you probably didn't hear about the Pan Elsewhere event going on with the uh, ESO game. So basically, it's this basically it's this bonus event where if you go to either Northern or Southern Elsewhere, um, I don't think that Canarthi's Roost is included because I tried doing a couple quests in there and I didn't get anything. But if you go to Northern or Southern Elsewhere uh, from the Elsewhere and Dragonhold DLCs, respectively, you can just kind of run around and either take on dragons or you can go take on a world boss or you go to certain locations in the area or you uh, go do uh, like a dungeon delve and you'll get a bunch of different bonus items. So yeah, you, you, I've, there is a quest that goes along with it. So if you go to the event merchants, there's a, a quest that will have you do some of this stuff. So yeah, you defeat dragons, you dungeon delve, do world bosses, and then you sometimes will get coffers from chests or you know thieves troves or safe boxes or claim a sigic portal harvest a node i think i got one from harvesting a node actually um or you open a dragon guard sanctum supply cache or you loot monsters and you'll get an elsewhere coffer and they'll have crafting materials they'll have style items zone gear items treasure maps uh, transmutation crystals i actually got some of those motif chapters for you know northern and southern elsewhere styles or pages for the new jazenji seer style uh that's a mouthful so yeah, um, I guess this kind of goes along with my gameplay, but I've been doing a lot of this. I'll pro I'll talk more about it here in a minute. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of this. So you can also get event tickets for the style motifs. And yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll talk about this a bit more here in a bit. So we also have a character... Uh, introduction like a, a meet the character article on the Bethesda uh, ESO website so you can meet the character Lucila Caprinia from the Waking Flame DLC so um, let's just let's talk a little bit about this I'm not going to read through the whole thing but uh, there's a they say that Lucia um, Lucia or is it Lucia? It's got the double L. Lucila, Lucia, um, I double L. So let's just call, say Lucia. Um, disciplined, courageous, utterly committed to the service of the Empire and Battlespire. Uh, ooh, Battlespire. Um, <laughs> yeah, Battlespire. That's a. Uh, um, it's one of these days I'm going to have to do a game highlight on Battlespire. Um, Lucia Caprinia is one of the new characters you will meet as part of the upcoming Waking Flame DLC. Learn more about this battle mage and training in this meet the characters. So, um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but basically, Lucia is uh, a potential. Uh, I'm, do they mean potentate? Uh, potential um anyway so they need more experienced battle mages in the field during the three banners war and as far as outstripped sorry the three banners war has far outstripped the battle spires current reserves and diminished the fortress's readiness to dangerously low capability without the empire's support and a steady supply of new recruits our current objectives will not be achieved before the attrition forces attrition forces us to retreat to the spire. 
So Lucia is a you know, model apprentice since her conscription at the age of six. Half of the standard years of those identified with the makings of a potential. So it is potential. Okay. And she was ahead of her class before she turned seven. So she's got a lot of initiative here. So she earned top marks in each of the schools of magic, magical and marital warfare, sorry, martial warfare, and contemporary studies. She took first place in single combat in the Potentials Battle Tourney three years running, won the Spire Council's commendation for spellcraft last year, and earned Imperial Medal of Valor for defending her classmates from the rampaging Atronox during the botched summoning exercise six years ago. She banished four of them herself. Had we allowed it, she very well could have competed, completed her trial before reaching adulthood. Lucia's admiration for the ideals of the empire, sorry, Lucia's admiration for the ideals of the empire we all hold dear borders on worship. So she's very loyal to the empire. So um, this is a this whole thing's a note or a letter from Battle Mage Martus Tullius. So yeah, um, that should give you a little bit of an idea of who Lucia Capernia is. So let's see here. In other news, we've got a bit about a mod here. Um, you've probably heard about the Morrowind Rebirth mod. So Morrowind Rebirth is one of the longest running mods for Morrowind and it delivers yet another update full of content and bug fixes. So basically what this is, is it wants to bring Morrowind up to more current graphics and gameplay. So yeah, I guess there, there's been an update on this. So you can go to mod db um so you can find a post about morrow and rebirth so i'm um, yeah just google the mod i'm sure you can find it and if it's anything like um skywind then you'll probably need both uh Morrowind file and skyrim file um i could be wrong on that but I love Morrowind. I would love to see it with more um, updated mechanics and graphics. So they're currently focusing on the 5.5 patch. Um, so yeah, I'll include this article in the show notes here. So we've also got, speaking of mods, so there is... I. I think I talked about the Forgotten City mod on here before. Well, they have since made this into its own game, not with Elder Scrolls, you know, themes and characters and races and all that, but with a Roman Empire theme. So, yeah, they've, they've taken the story of it, the whole... Um, city that is now uninhabited everybody's dead and you travel back in time to find out why everybody died and so basically yeah there's a curse on the city and um, somebody quote-unquote sins and the entire city is destroyed everybody dies so you have to find out what happened so yeah, this started out as a really well done Skyrim mod. I played it years ago on PC and I recently played it again. Um, I, th I think I did talk about this on the last episode. Um, I don't know if I did something wrong, but it only took me like 20 minutes to play through it. I, I must have done something incorrectly. I don't know. Unless it's just been updated and everything happen super quickly but you can find this on um, Xbox and Steam um, I don't know if you can find it on PlayStation or not you might be able to but it's uh, sitting at $29.99 right now um, 
or that's uh, 1754 in British pounds. They actually um, posted that on the, this uh, PC Gamer website article. So, like I said, I will also I'll be posting all of these uh, news articles in the show notes here. And we got one more here. Oh, okay, that's the same. That's the uh, URL for the uh, character highlight thing. So, anyway, um, I will go ahead and get into my gameplay here. I, I did talk about playing through the Forgotten City on the last episode, so I'm not going to talk about that. Um, at least I think I did. Um, if I didn't, then I kind of went through it here just now. But, um, yeah, I've been playing a lot of ESO. Um, I've been playing a lot of Fallout also, but I've been playing a lot of ESO and doing the uh, Elsewhere event. And uh, my cat just wants to really make an appearance on my shows today. So, um... I've been traveling around northern elsewhere. I don't have access to southern elsewhere. You have to have uh, uh, additional DLC for that. And I just have elsewhere. So you go around and you, you know, just take on dragons, uh, world bosses. There's like three or four. There's like four world bosses, or you delve into these dungeons and uh, just complete all these different events in these dungeons. Um, there are certain, you know, specific landmarks that they want you to visit. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they call, they're, they're called, um, I can't remember what the term is it for, or for it is, but I keep, I've been taking on a lot of dragons and I've completed all of the different world boss events in Northern Elsewhere now. But I think you get the most bang for your buck, uh, for the lack of a better phrase, by challenging the dragons. Because not only do you get elsewhere coffers, but you also get half-digested adventurer bags that'll have a lot of trinkets and treasures that you can either put in your houses or you can sell. I myself have been selling them because I don't really decorate my houses all that much. I probably will at some point, but as as of right now, the only thing I'll ever put in my houses are storage coffers. So if there's something I want to hang on to and I don't have the bank space, I can just put them in there. But um, yeah, you'll get a lot of goodies from these coffers. You'll get treasures. You'll also get weapons and style materials and, and stuff like that. So, um, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm getting a lot of money from it. I'm up to, like, I think 90 gold again, um, or as of right now, just from selling these treasures and everything. The problem is, is that by the time you get to these dragons, a lot of the times, like, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten to a dragon right as it got killed. And there's only two, one to two dragons that have been flying around at a time. So everybody's been getting in on this, which is great to see. It's nice to see everybody playing ESO. Come here, Yoda. Quit being being loud and obnoxious. Um, (laughs) Sorry. So um, everybody's been getting in on this, but... So if you're there when the dragon first kind of shows up, great. But people are killing these dragons within a couple of minutes, tops. So you have to get there fast. So yeah, you kind of what you have to do is just kind of hang by a waste shrine, and then just keep checking the map. Oh, I should mention that this event ends on August third. So I I forgot to mention that. Um, so yeah, this is going on until. Um, I think like noon on August 3rd. I could be wrong. Um, it, it might be 8 p.m. Um, Eastern time. Because uh, I know with Fallout 76, uh, things change at noon Eastern Standard Time, 11 Central Time, my time. Um, but yeah, it, it goes through August 3rd. So it, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm definitely getting my uh, exploration into... Uh, northern elsewhere i i've never completed all these world bosses before because 
Well, um, they're world bosses and you need help. So with an event like this, people have been hanging around where the world bosses spawn. So that's been really nice. Um, I've done, I think I did a, a group dungeon also, just while I was waiting for all this shit to uh, respawn. So it's been a lot of fun. I've really been enjoying it. So if you haven't taken advantage of it, definitely get in on this before it's over. Uh, let's see. I streamed some Fallout 76 recently, just doing my dailies. I've been doing, I've been trying to get as many of the dailies done as I can, but the problem is I haven't had a lot of time. Um, so I may, I've lately been skipping the daily ops unless there's been. A, a group for daily ops around. There's a lot of dailies that have been going on where it's like join a group and kill 15 different enemies with a group. So people have been starting casual groups as opposed to daily ops groups. So there have been times when my daily, my casual group has started daily ops so if that's the case then I'll do it but I've just been doing other things to um, get the gold star so I think I'm up to like level 51 or 52 on the scoreboard, you know, pretty average. I know people who, you know, completed it like a week ago. Good for them. Uh, I've just been taking it kind of slow. Uh, I'm just doing it when uh, there have been a day or two here and there uh, where I've had to, you know, just skip it. Um, oh, by the way, I think I'm level 1, uh, combat rating 180 with ESO now, so that's been pretty cool. I've been leveling up with the combat rating a lot faster than I did with just getting to level 50. So, um, other than that, I've been playing both Witcher 2 and Witcher 3. So, I actually completed Witcher 3's main story uh, a couple of days ago. So, I actually did this on stream. Well, I did most of it on stream. Like, I killed the um, leader of the Wild Hunt on stream. And I know that there's three different endings you can get with Witcher 3. I'm not going to get into all of them because there are still plenty of people who haven't played this game. Like myself, I'm playing through this for the first time. So, um, yeah, I thought that I got the worst ending you could get as far as what happens with Siri, and that turned out to be not the case. I actually got the ending that I wanted, so, um, <laughs> basically, okay, I, I will say this. There is an ending where Siri dies, and I thought that was the case. If you watch my stream, you'll hear my reaction to Geralt telling the Emperor that Ciri is dead. And I had to stop because I had to get ready for work. So I thought that that was what happened. And it turned out I actually got the ending that I wanted. I'm not going to get into that, but um, I actually streamed some Witcher 3 today. Just doing some contracts and I did a couple of the boxing matches. I actually um, am the champion of Valen as far as the boxing um, matches. So I did that. I did a couple of contracts and I started playing Witcher 2. I haven't played this on stream yet, but I found it on the Xbox store for $2.99. And it was just something I couldn't pass up. I don't think that Witcher 1 is on Xbox. Otherwise, I would have already picked that up also. But I think it was PC only. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But I can't find it on the Xbox store. I would love to play it too. Um, I heard that it's dated. But it's still a really good game. Um, <laughs> um, I also played the Space Jam A New Legacy game. Because it was free. And... Uh, um, it's not a very good game. It's a side-scroller beat-em-up as opposed to, you know, a basketball game. I mean, you do have a basketball and you can throw it at people and hit the, hit the basketball at them. But, yeah, it's not a very good game. Um, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good way to waste time. But why would you make a side-scroller beat-em-up about 
a movie that is about a basketball game. It just doesn't make sense. You make a fucking basketball game. Or at least have a mode where you can play basketball. But what do I know? I'm not a game developer. Um, but just, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's worth a playthrough just to say you played it. Um, I would go as far to say as the Shaq Fu A New Legacy game is better than this. Um, I mean, it, it's at least funny. It's got, uh, you know, kind of a tongue-in-cheek humor. But, um, yeah, it's not... It's not the best game. I'll just leave it at that. So, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I've been streaming a little bit. I'm trying to stream more. Uh, but it's... I'll probably be streaming more come, you know, in the next few weeks. Like, toward the end of August. I'll try and stream a few times a week. It's just with uh, current situations the way they are. I it just It's hard for me to find time to... Anyway, um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I will be taking a break here, and then we will talk about Boethia. So stay tuned, guys. Alright, you guys, welcome back after that short break. So let's talk Boethia. Oh, uh, before I forget, I should mention I did get some Fallout 4 gameplay in, so if you've been following the show at all, you know that I've also been doing a roundtable character for the Fallout feed, where I am playing through Fallout 4 as an Institute character, and I have uh, finished that, so I think I mentioned in the last episode that I did make an appearance on the Fallout feed, uh, so go check that out. Uh, it's not the most recent episode. I think it's like two episodes ago now, or three. Um, actually, if you give me a second, I will let you know what episode number that is. But I also appeared on um, friend of the show, Fire Riders Pixel People podcast. Uh, it is the episode where it's the most recent one. Uh, she's got an episode coming out uh, Monday here in a couple of days. Uh, from when this airs, but with the Fallout feed, I am on episode number 321, episode number 321, so go check that out. Um, I shut up a little bit late because I was working and I had some technical issues, but I'm probably an hour to an hour and a half in, but yeah, just go ahead and listen to the whole episode. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there, so and they're, they're friends of the show, so definitely go uh, check them out if you're into Fallout, which you should be. Um, I'm into Fallout. I've got a Fallout podcast also. Anyway, um, enough about that. Let's talk about Boethia. So, of course, all of this F, um, information comes from the UESP wiki. And as always, they have a quote that starts the article. It says, uh, look upon the face of Boethia in wonder. Raise your arms that Boethia may look look on them and bestow a blessing. Know that the battle is a blessing. Know that death is an eventuality. Know that you are dust in the eyes of Boethia. So, <laughs> that does not sound like a very pleasant person. Basically, uh, it's just saying that you're still alive because Boethia is allowing it. So... Boethia is known as the Prince of Plots. Um, some, it's spelled with or without an H at the end. Uh, it's, she's known as the Prince of Plots, the Dark Warrior, Deceiver of Nations, Queen of Shadows, Goddess of Destruction, Hunger, and Font, font Fount of Inspiration, He Who Destroys, and She Who Erases. Also called Boethra by the Khajiit. Um, Boethia is a Daedra prince who rules over deceit, conspiracy, secret plots of murder, assassination, treason, and unlawful overthrow of authority. That's a lot of uh, very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Devious activities, I guess? So, uh, let's see. This, this sphere is destructive in nature and Boethia's destructiveness comes from 
inspiring the arms of mortal warriors. The Dark Warrior has been described as cold and impersonal, cruel and one or the more demonic of the Daedric Lords. Worshippers are known to hold bloody competitions in Boethia's honor, battling and even killing each other, for Boethia is said to care only for their blood. The prince's prized servants are a race of Daedra known as the Hunger, foul creatures that are eternally bone thin. You actually encounter Hungers in Morrowind. Um, I don't remember if you encounter them in other games. I think you do. Give me one second here. So, okay, so it looks like Hungers are also found in the Shivering Isles expansion of Oblivion. And you can also find them in ESO and Elder Scrolls Legends. So I don't remember seeing them in uh, Shivering Isles, but I guess they are. I'm not seeing any screenshots of them, but I, there is a screenshot of them in ESO. And honestly, that doesn't surprise me because you get to travel to a lot of different uh, planes of oblivion in ESO. So, anyways, uh, Boethia sees the battle as a blessing and is frequently depicted as a great caped warrior, often in a, often in a stoic pose. Usually, if I'm not mistaken, the pictures or the, the shrines also have Boethia kind of look like a snake. So, um... While sometimes described as male, Boethia is also commonly referred to as a female, sometimes within the same text. Notably, Boethia is usually depicted as a male in Morrowind, but it also known for taking the form of a Dunmer warrior queen. Boethia often manifests using, using tricky, unpredictable avatars, which can appear as male or female of any race. These avatars become involved with important or monumentous events, working behind the scenes to achieve an outcome that serves Boethia as well. They, often, they will often challenge mortals, seeking to test the mettle of heroes and commoners alike. After a trial ends, the Avatar is likely to vanish, leading the stranger to, or leading to strange, mysterious stories and legends among participants. Despite dark overtones of Boethia's sphere of influence over Tamriel, Boethia was considered in Morrowind be to be one of the three good Daedra. I think I mentioned that in another episode, but that blows my mind. I can't believe that they would think of Boethia as one of the good Daedra because it, Boethia does not seem like a very nice person. But Boethia is also heralded as the anticipation of Almalexia by the old tribunal temple and one of the reclamations of the new temple. The Prince of Plots has a has a scion, a demi-prince, Fa Nuit Hen. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess Boethia is reproduced also. In the Five Songs of Wolfhearth, uh, Lorcan states that Nerevar is the son of Boethia, one of the strongest Padomaics. Um, I should also mention that that quote that I read at the beginning is from Boethia's Glory. I forgot to mention that. I apologize. So um, it's unclear how literal the statement of Boethia, of Nerevar being Boethia's son is. Boethia is said to be an ally of the Temple of Stendar and an enemy of Ebonarm, Molagbal, and Periite. Notably, Molagbal, as one of the corners of the House of Trouble, is considered Boethia's arch enemy in Morrowind. And I think we see that in uh, all its glory in Skyrim, but I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Boethia can be summoned on Gauntlet, the second of Sun's Dusk. So let's talk a little bit about Boethia's worship here. So there's a picture here of what's known as the face of the inspiring fountain and it's a Boethia mask or sorry a Dunmer mask that uh, is set to depict Boethia. There's also a statue here of Boethia in uh, Morrowind, a third era statue. So Boethia was known as the god king of the Chimer. Boethia was championed by the prophet Veloth and is considered 
to be the dark by the dark elves to be their original god ancestor. It was Boethia, along with Mafala, who told them the truth of Lorcan's test and who defeated Oriel's champion, Trinamac. These and other illuminations convinced the eventual Chimer, or changed folk, to renounce their ties to the Aldmer and found the nation, founded the nation of Resdane on Daedric principles. Numerous dark elven cultural advances are attributed to Boethia, including philosophic sorry, philosophy, easy for me to say, magic, and responsible architecture. Ancient Velati tales and allegories of Chimer stra struggles tell of Boethia triumphing over enemies of every type. During the time of Alm Sivi, Boethia was recognized by the Tribunal Temple as the anticipation of Almalexia, but male to her female. With the advent of the new temple following the disappearance of the tribunal temple, worship of Boethia was once again elevated to its old status among the Dunmer. The prince is now revered alongside Azura Mafala as one of the reclamations. So, I would imagine, I'm not sure who would represent who as far as the other two of the tribunal. I would imagine Azura would be Vivek. And Mafala being uh, Sothasil, Mafala being a web spinner, and Sothasil creating his his own city. I don't know. All right, so there's also Boethra. Um There's a shrine to Boethra in Elder Scrolls Online in the article, um, but Boethra is the Kajidi deity. Boethria, sorry, Boethra, the warrior of the east and west, is a sharp-tongued Kajidi deity, an ancestor spirit, and a teacher of the old ways, and the patron of warriors and rebellious exiles. It is unknown if she remained in the Kajidi pantheon after the Riddlethar cult scrubbed and reformed many aspects of Kajidi religion. But she is not mentioned in the words of clan mother Anissi, Anissi, which is a book you can find. Much of what is known about her comes from the myths that predate the Riddlethar epiphany. Ancient Khajiiti did not see it necessary to pray to Boethra, honoring her instead by walking the path, and only hiding in order to pounce. Additionally, they would not speak her name on the Knights of Ghostmoon Knights, which is said Boethra wears Death Shroud of Lorcage and wages war beyond the Latisse. She is the mate of Mafala. Again, Boethia and Mafala kind of working together. Anur once exiled Boethra due to her rebellious nature. During this time, Boethra walked the many paths, eventually returning. Again, the uh, Anur is the Khajiiti version of Anu, uh, you know, Anu and Padme. So, um, it is said that Mafala did not forget her love for Boethra during her time away. The ancient songs tell that the demon Orca followed her back from the many paths before being banished by the combined might of Boethra, Lorcaj, and Kanarthi. For this reason, she is known as Orca Bane. Boethra fought the demon king Molag, which I'm guessing is uh, Molag's ball, to a draw when he attacked Latisse along with, the, with Dagon and Merinuda, which I'm guessing is Meridia. Boethra's actions allowed for allowed Azura to shackle Molag. She also fought Nocturne, which um, it has to be nocturnal, until it knew it was not Namira. There is also Namira. Uh, fighting alongside Lorcaj, it was Boethra who pried out the first of Magras's eyes. Magras is the Khajiiti version of Magnus. So, uh, yeah, we've, I think we talked about Magnus a little bit. The songs also sing of an unnamed spirit of vengeance with no will of its own. Born of Azura's grief after the deaths of Fatime, which is Padme, and Lorcaj, this spirit may appear in songs as a black panther, a warrior in ebony armor, 
or a, as a hidden sword. And it is also said that Azura, Boethra, and Mafala can summon this spirit, as it is only as only they know its true name. Early shrines to Boethra depict her wielding a Khajiiti-styled katana, which I'm guessing is the ebony blade, alongside an unknown figure resembling a lynx. She appears distinct from any known first stock, although displays some similarities to Ohm's Rock Khajiit. So um, this, I, I guess I should mention, if you haven't talked, you know, gone through the Khajiit first stock episode, I, I've talked about that a few times. Um, I split the Khajiit episode into two parts. The history of the Khajiit and then the first stock episode where it talks about all the different varieties of Khajiit. And that was a, a fun episode to go through. So definitely check that out. And you can see what Ohm's Rots are. Um, so, yeah. All right, let's talk more about the history with Boethia. So in the late Merithic era, Boethia began appearing in the dreams and visions of a young prophet, Veloth. I'll have to talk about Veloth in an episode because he is an interesting person. I think you encounter his ghost in ESO, if I'm not mistaken. So these visions guided Veloth in the creation of a new sect of Aldmeri dissidents with the core belief that the immortals could ascend to godhood. However, the followers of Trinimac, I need to talk about Trinimac also because that would be a great episode to do. Okay, so the, the followers of Trinimac, the most powerful of the Et'ata, which are the gods like Padme, uh, Orkaj, Orkan, all that, um, stridently opposed this new cult. His priests condemned the dissidents for blasphemy, threatening them with exile should they remain devoted to the teachings of Veloth. In response, it is said that Trinimac was tricked into going to, into Boethia's mouth, or more literally, that Boethia ate Trinimac. I think I, I talked about that in the orc episode. Um, so yeah. As the priest prepared to pass judgment on Veloth and his cult, Boethia appeared before them in the guise and the form, or I'm sorry, with the voice of Trinimac. Boethia gathered a crowd and began to tell them the lies of the Aedra, and in particular of Trinimac. He spoke of the triangle truth, how to create the future Chimer culture, and with Mafala, the, the rules of the Sijic endeavor, which uh, that might be another episode that I need to do. So, yeah, I'm getting a lot of good ideas from this here. When he was sure that the priests were shamed and broken, and as proof of the truth of his words, Boethia revealed himself, or sorry, relieved himself of Trinimac in front of the crowd. So he literally shit Trinimac. <laughs> so he ate Trinimac and then shit him out in front of everybody. But yeah, um, so he, he uh, shit Trinimac in front of the crowd. And the followers of the... Adra and the Daedra then rubbed the soil of Trinimac upon themselves and changed their skins. This was reportedly this reportedly made it easy for Boethia's people to become the changed ones, which is the Chimer. So um, whether or not this is true, I couldn't tell you. Um, it's another one of those like creation myths, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why the Chimer were called the Changed Ones, I guess. While the exact details of Boethia's victory over Trinimac are unclear, it is said that after being swallowed, Boethia tortured his spirit, spirit in her belly. Eventually, Boethia grew bored and released Trinimac, later exiling him into the Plain of Ash. Trinimac became engaged and twisted after this torture and dishonored. I mean, who wouldn't? And he faded away and was reborn as Maluak, uh, which I believe is Malakath. Yeah, Malakath. So uh, we'll be talking about that when we get to Malakath, but I, I guess we kind of spilled the beans already, uh, for the lack of a better phrase. The former Adra's most devoted followers cha changed with him, becoming the Orsinimer, so the orcs. However, according to Orcish accounts of the battle, Trinimac was about to deal a terrific blow when Mafala appeared and stabbed him in the back. 
As Trinimac was reeling, Boethia cast a terrible ritual to scar and twist his appearance before banishing Trinimac to a place of choking air and ash, where accounts agree he became Malkat. So there's two different versions of that story there. Other sources also claim that all of Trinimac's followers were changed into the Orsimer. Toward the end of Veloth's exodus, they were approached by an aspect of Boethia posing as a woman at the at the Dunmouth Path, sorry, Dunmouth Pass, who proclaimed herself to be a Keimer friend, and had him swear an oath that he would that would make him and his followers into better myrrh. Veloth proclaimed on what would later become known as Veloth's judgment that he would never again use it or any other tool to slay a foe, and that he would give his heart to his people and dedicate his life and soul to them. The Chimer friend then melted the ice blocking the path and accompanied them into Morrowind, which I believe at that point was still called Resdane. So that is the Merithic era. Um, a lot of uh, rumor and innuendo, if you will. So let's talk about the First Era. So around First Era 1000, a tract by King Hale the Pious of Skyrim compared the schemes of his political enemies to those of several Daedric princes, including Boethia. The, quote, wickedness of the demons of oblivion, their depravity equals that of Sanguine itself. They are cruel as Boethia, calculating the other, cal so calculating as Molagbal and as mad as Sheogorath. It is earliest known, is the earliest known record of Boethia as well as the other three princes. One of the artifacts, the Fearstruck, was supposedly destroyed by a worm's fire in the first era. W Y R M. So. Uh, in response to the destruction of Gilverdale at the hands of Molagbal, the tribunal god Sothosil sought out eight of the most influential Daedric princes. So I talked about this in um, the Sothosil episode. So this is the Cold Harbor pact that I talked about in the Sothosil episode, the Cold Harbor Compact. So uh, if you want more information on that, go talk. Oh, go look up the uh, the Sothisil episode. I don't know why it was so hard for me to think of that. So anyway, let's talk about the Second Era. So um, there's a picture here of Boethia's statue in Dragonstar Arena. So in Second Era 582, this is the events of ESO, Boethia manifested into an animus geode within Abenmath, sorry, Abenmath, to keep the exile of Mulak, which I guess is Malakath, sealed away. Boethia also had a hand in the formation of the Malborn, manipulating the Ureli box. So this is the Ebonheart Pact uh, quest where you're dealing with the Malborn uh, disease that's basically changing people into zombies. So a mysterious Chimeri spirit by the name of Espera also appeared around this time period seeking to help the Vestige, which is your character, in acquiring the power of Saint Veloth and stopping the Malagis Magistrate Vox. Espera would show up once again in East March in the form of Espera Giant Friend, a mysterious Dunmer who would commune with giants. She was instrumental in the Ebon Arpak's defeat of Filgor Orkthane. Orkthane? Sorry, Filgor Orkthane, yeah. His army of Orsimmer. Sorry, of Orsimmer, yeah. <laughs> By helping forge an alliance with said giants to overtake Cradle Crush in the ritual arena, the ritual arena of Malakath. So, uh, when asked about who her master was, she refused to answer, simply stating that some grudges are ancient and some answers are beyond understanding. Later that same year, Boethia held a tournament at the Dragonstar Arena in the Dragontail Mountains which are up in Hammerfell. So the, the Dragontail Mountains are in Hammerfell. So uh, participants from across the arena came to try to defeat her champion, Hiliath, 
H-I-A-T-H, Hyath the Battlemaster. Here, Aspira appeared once again as an observer to, of the event, but this time as a living Dunmer named Aspira Arena Friend. So, I need to find Aspira. So, I've, I've never encountered Aspira ever. So, that's something I'm going to have to encounter. I'm going to have to do. So, she references her time as a Chimeri spirit and as a friend to the giants, and heavily implied that she had been an aspect of Boethia. This would mean that the prince was responsible for both, both the rise of the magistrate Vox and the Vox's defeat by the tribunal. I, that, I wonder why that is. That seems counterproductive. So there's actually a giant statue of Boethia overlooking the Tournament of Ten Bloods here also. So, all right, let's talk Third Era. So around Third Era 405, this is the events of uh, Daggerfall. So yeah, Third Era 405 is Daggerfall. So around that time, Boethia offered power to an agent of the Blades, that would be your character, in exchange for slaying a spell sword in the Iliac Bay region. In the prince's own words, the target of her wrath was a perfectly charming and charitable ass. <laughs> okay. Who had been annoying the hell out of her for years. So, yeah, that that was Boethia's words. A perfectly charming and charitable ass who had been annoying the hell out of her for years. Once the deed was done, Boethia rewarded the agent with the Ebony Mail, which, if you've played any of uh, these games, you know that the ebony mail is well you know what i'll talk about the artifacts here in a little bit so all right let's move on to third era 427 which is the events of morrowind so in third era 427 boethia commanded the nerevarine to help restore his ruined shrine off the coast of vardenfell after the nerevarine had found a sculptor to restore his statue to its former glory Boethia granted the legendary sword Goldbrand to the hero. So Goldbrand is a pretty nice sword. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've done uh, Boethia's quest in Morrowind or Oblivion for that matter. Or matter. So, but um, I do know that Goldbrand is a pretty nice sword. I think I gave it to myself with a console command. To be completely honest. So, all right, let's talk uh, the events of Oblivion. So, Boethia once again rewarded the hero with Goldbrand in 4th era, 433. This time, is the recipient was the champion of Cyrodiil, of course, who traveled to one of the prince's realms of Oblivion to participate in the, the Tournament of Ten Bloods. Okay, so that picture that, uh, that I was talking about a few minutes ago is actually from Oblivion. So, uh, after the other nine challengers were slain, Boethia declared the champion to be his chosen one. I don't remember doing that quest, but it, I very well could have and just spaced it because I do other Daedric quests in Oblivion more often. So, alright, let's talk about Skyrim, the one that people these days are probably more familiar with. So, um... Nerefine was said to have been Boethia's worshipper who intended to bring about the prophecy known as the Kali, the implementation of which involved a mass Daedric summoning. Large Boethia cult operating under his orders was active during the time of the Great War with the Dramora blade master Rave, Reeve, I think it's pronounced Reeve, R-E-I-V-E, having been granted gold brand by Boethia and worshipping with the cult, or sorry, working with the cult. Narfine was defeated in the battle and hanged from the White Gold Tower for 33 days, with one source claiming that he was carried away by a winged Daedra on the 34th. So that actually isn't from Oblivion. I believe that's from one of the books. There's actually two Elder Scrolls novels out. Um, so... I'm guessing that is uh, depicted in one of those. I could. It doesn't say which one, but I'm guessing here. Let me let me talk. Let me click the link for Narfine or uh, Nerfine. 
So he was a Thalmor general who led the assault on Cyrodiil during the Great War, and after the success of the initial, sorry, the, uh, sorry, um, there's a picture here of Narfine, um, during, I don't know what this is from though, because I wouldn't imagine it's from one of the novels. So, uh, let's see. It says here that it was said that he was a Boethia worshiper who intended to bring about the prophecy known as the Calling. I already talked about that. And other less known stories by the forgotten hero masquerading as Emperor Titus. Sorry, uh, this is about Titus Mead. He was defeated in battle by either Emperor Titus Mead or the second, or in lesser known stories by the forgotten hero masquerading as the Emperor. Forgotten Hero is an individual whose adventures are told by a moth priest named Kellen. Hero was captured by a Dramora and managed to escape by a blade named Tyr during the Great War. So, okay, um, it doesn't say what this story is from, but I imagine it would be one of the novels. Um, but if you happen to know, let me know. Um, I'll tell you how to get a hold of me a little bit later on. But yeah, let's talk about the Skyrim quests. So in 4th Era 201, Boethia called upon the last Dragonborn to become her new champion. To deform, this involved displaying the old champion. Once the deed was done, Boethia bestowed the Ebony Mail upon the Dragonborn. So, um, yeah, the Ebony Blade is actually another Daedric artifact from about, or from somebody else. I misspoke earlier. So, um, what this doesn't, this article doesn't say is how you actually summon Boethia. So, what you gotta do, uh, when you get to the, there's a, like this post that is on top of this small mountain, and there's a bunch of, uh, people trying to summon, but, the, but there's basically this tournament going on, a bunch of people trying to kill each other. And what Boethia requires is blood. So what you gotta do is sacrifice your companion. So you gotta pick somebody who you don't really care about. So I usually go with one of the guys from Riverwood who's involved in that love triangle. There's the elf and then there's the bard. I usually pick one of them because I don't care for either one of those guys. The bard annoys me and the elf is a little liar. He basically tries to get you to lie for him. And uh, yeah, I don't care for either one of those guys. In fact, I actually married the girl myself once. Uh, just once. She's not the most interesting um, you know, wife or whatever. I don't know. That sounds bad but she's not the most interesting npc i mean she's she she's got a nice little story about her and her brother running a shop in riverwood but yeah bad, bad, bad. you know anyway i usually uh, sacrifice one of them there's been times where i also sacrifice the woman in the in in um white run that challenges you to a fist fight i i sacrificed her um I don't know. Usually, I just sacrifice companions that I don't really care for. It, it sucks, you know. You're you're basically killing somebody, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, what do you expect from a game like this? So, um, it should also be noted that the Molag Ball quest in Skyrim basically wants you're trying to put Boethia to shame. Like Molag Ball hates Boethia. And so you have to, I mean, I'll talk about it when I get to the Molag Ball episode, but let's just say there's definitely a rival there between Boethia and Molag Ball. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the artifacts you can get. We've mentioned the Ebony Mail a couple of times. It's uh, a Daedric artifact. It's armor, obviously, you know, mail. In appearance, it looks like an Ebony suit of armor or simply a cuirass. It can either be medium or heavy in weight. The artifact grants its wearer resistance to fire and magical atta attacks, magical protection from physical blows, quieter movement, and the ability to poison enemies who get too close. The article, or sorry, the artifact was created before recorded history by Boethia, and it is Boethia alone who determines who should possess the mail, 
and for how long a time. So we also got Fearstruck, which is a sort, sorry, a shield that you can find in ESO. So it is a Daedric artifact, of course, created by Boethia. It took the form of a shield, and it belonged to Lyrisus, Lyrisius, a hero from Tamriel, famous for leading his army against the Akaviri slave traders from their homeland in Akavir. The shield was utterly destroyed in the first era by a fiery breath of a worm who Lyrisius encountered after the army was rooted. And despite its destruction, many centuries prior, there was a known replica of the shield styled after Fearstruck around the time, the events of ESO. These replicas depicted Fearstruck as an ebony shield emblazoned with Boethia's symbol. So I guess this doesn't exist anymore. It's just replicas that you can find. So the article here doesn't really talk about what the shield did as far as what it protected against but it just I guess yeah I guess by the time of ESO there's just replicas that you can find about so all right uh, we talked about Goldbrand earlier so Goldbrand is an ancient artifact which takes the form of a golden katana it was created by the dragons of the north and according to the legends of thieves it was given to a great Khajiit who was sworn to protect the dragons. Why would... A, sorry, not a great Khajiit, I misspoke. A great knight who was sworn to protect the dragons. So, uh, it contains the power of Boethia and burns those that it strikes. So, yeah, I, I was... Why would you want to protect the dragons? Like, dragons just want to kill you. So... All right, so those are the artifacts that you can get in the games. So let's talk about the realm of Boethia. The realm of Boethia is actually the name of the Oblivion realm that uh, the Oblivion plane that is attributed to Boethia. So that is its name. And it consists of stormy skies, volcanic islands, a lava, uh, sorry, lava seas, and it's very similar to the Deadlands. It has also been described as a country of labyrinthian policy uh, betrayals and a maze garden and twisted towers. It is sometimes referred to as attributions, geez, that word was really hard to pronounce, Attributions share or snake mount. So that sounds like a place I don't want to go to. I've been to the Deadlands enough. I don't need to go to the realm of Boethia. So uh, let's see if I can click on this article. It will probably show a picture. Yeah, there's a, a picture here from Oblivion because I guess you do go to there, go there in Oblivion, and it it's just it's got a statue of Boethia in a sea of lava. So, um, yeah, that does not look like a pleasant place to go to. There's also a picture of the Champions Arena from ESO. And, uh, yeah, it, it just that does not sound pleasant. But knowing Boethia, why would it be? So, anyway, yeah, that is it as far as Boethia. So I would like to thank The Hive once again for sponsoring this podcast. And if you would like to, if you would like to support this podcast in any way, the best way that you can help me out is by getting the word out, either by telling a friend, telling a neighbor, telling a coworker. Um, just get the word out also what you could do is leave a review on apple podcasts i forget to mention this quite a bit but that really helps a lot there's something to do with the algorithm to where it gets the gets eyes and ears on the show and also the um if you leave a review on apple podcasts with some text on the uh said Apple Podcast platform. I will read it out on the show. So uh, it's another way to get your voice out there. 
Anyway, if you would like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at TamrielP. You can also uh, find me personally at iangold08. As I mentioned, I was on the uh, Fallout feed recently and also on Pixel People. On The episode of Pixel People is about retribution and transformation i was on there with quite a few other people uh, i was on there with uh, my fellow tapes from the waste co-host or tapes from the waste host um katie b and you know there's tuniversal there was um you know fire rider herself there was some people in fire riders community like um like uh, trash king nix and victor and mothman's ranger there were quite a few of us. It was a lot of fun. Definitely go check it out. I talked about the Bloody Baron from Witcher 3. So, um, also, like I mentioned, there's Tapes and Waste, and we will be recording a retrospective on the Steel Rain or yeah, uh, story from Fallout 76. So, keep an ear to the ground for that. I just put out an episode at Nintendo about Wind Waker, so definitely, definitely go check that out if you're a Wind Waker fan. And yeah, that is it. So next up, we will be talking about Clavicus Vile. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. He's a very interesting Daedric Prince, and he's one of the ones you've probably encountered in one of the games. So anyway, uh, be on the lookout for that here in a couple weeks. So as always, stay tuned and uh, stay safe adventures.